Hey guys, welcome back. Thanks for joining us on uh, Live from the Tough Tavern. Uh, this is Big Mike, and I'm joined here this week with Andy. Hello. And uh, sitting with us today is a, a, a good old friend of ours. I've got Jason Graham from Dark Age of on YouTube. Yes. And, well, that, that's about as official as we get right then and there. So, yeah, I want to uh, I want to thank you guys for inviting me on. Number one, number two, uh, because Andy lives on the other side of the world, Mike and I have to get up on Sunday morning early, and that's 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 you know okay. It's cruel and unusual. It is cruel and <laughs> but we'll do it for the bread. That's right. That's right. We've. Uh, we've I, I do. Out. I do appreciate it. Yeah. Honest. <laughs> what time right. is it where you're at? Two? Is it two? Uh, uh so just uh, ten past two. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He's in the okay. middle of his day. He's awake. He's had two meals oh, in him. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm about to have an afternoon nap. And... <laughs> nice, nice. He's, he's already had I'm breakfast. I'm going back to my cage. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Oh, man. So, yeah, yeah, basically, uh, uh, let, let's hit Jason with some uh, some basic who are you questions. What the hell are you doing here? Mm -hmm. Uh so how long have you been in gaming, Jason? When did, when did you get started? Uh, in um, 19, I was uh, nine, 1979, my brother, my middle brother had two things hidden in his closet in the basement of our my, my, my family home, hmm. uh, a Ouija board and the 1978 Holmes blue box set. And I oh, wow. stole, I absconded with his uh, box set, which he had never used, and uh, uh, was mesmerized by Holmes basic and began the process of trying to read it, understand it, and teach it to my buddies. And so we played a really bad, bastardized version yeah. of Holmes starting in 1979, probably. Always. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 1981 is when my life, that's when D&D became what we did when we weren't doing other things. And that was the uh, Moldvay uh, basic edition. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what I ran exclusively as a GM for from... Gosh, uh, 10, 11 years old till 20. I was 26, probably. Um, and then, of course, I left gaming for a long time, came back at 39, 40. Holy cow. Um, thanks to the GameStop guys here in our local hometown. Uh, Sean and, and David said, we want to try this thing. And I said, well, I've got Labyrinth Lord. Let's do it. And that's how I got started back into gaming. And thanks to Sean and Dave that, and, and Mike right. asking me to run a little Labyrinth Lord for him. Which I wrote uh, my first module ever, uh, which is the module that I'm going to try to publish using Andy's artwork and uh, uh, maps. So uh, that literally started me back into gaming um, for the last eight years. Yeah, I don't think you ever leave, though, do you? I think when I started, um, it was probably the same sort of age. And then I got really into like music and skating and all that kind of stuff. And I left it behind for years and then family and everything. Mm -hmm. but I think if you do anything, if it's like um, role playing, war gaming, anything of that sort of thing that start it is in your skin. Mm -hmm. And I think eventually you come back round to it. Oh, I mean, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we started with Pong and the Atari 2600. Yeah, yeah. We moved on to the Commodore 64. Uh, we yeah. were tabletop gaming. And then, of course, uh, as you get older, we were in college. We all got married. We all did, went on about our lives. Then we replaced that with computer games and then console yeah. games. And No, I have never been uh, 
ever without gaming in my life on a daily not, basis. Right, you just Since may I not was have been seven, eight, yeah. doing role-playing, tabletop role-playing yeah. at that time. That's right. I mean, I, yeah. the bottom line is, I, if I, if without gaming, I would, that, I mean, that's where I get my creative, imagine it. I, I do more gaming than I read, more gaming than I watch movies. That's just how, that's how I've lived my life. I, although yeah. I love to read and I love to watch film, but man, gaming is what, Makes me want to get up in the morning. <laughs> right, right. We are, we are as as the uh, the punitive. Uh, we are gamers, so so yeah. to speak. So yeah. Whereas right. some people yeah. might, you know, they enjoy going to movies or reading books. This mm -hmm. is our creative outlet, as far That's as right. our our escape. As uh, I'm learning mm -hmm. to coin it. Yeah, and it's so funny because as a kid, I would watch. Uh, you know, ESPN was born. We got cable when I was like uh, ten. But we had satellite. We had the huge dish in our backyard. We were stealing. You had to go signals, outside right? and crank it to, to get and, better and signals. And so for me, everything in my life, uh, and I literally, from as early as I remember, everything inspired gaming. So when I'd see kickboxing on the early ESPN, so early ESPN had a couple things. It had professional bowling, and it had kickboxing. Wow. They hadn't. ESPN didn't have anything else, right? And so I would watch these great kickboxing, and so I invented a dice game of, of professional kickbox fighters, and we yeah. had a, we had heavyweights and welterweights, and and when I'd read Tolkien, it would make us want to run to D and D and play Tolkien. We'd see Conan the movie, and everything it's like everything that existed that I did outside only inspired me to want to go do it yeah. in gaming. It, it just I'm inspired gaming. Sure. I remember watching, um, like, say when we had a, a bank holiday, they'd put on like uh, Jason and the Argonauts, right? And as soon as you went back to school. That's what you played. Yeah, that's right. exactly right. Yeah, you were throwing oh, yeah. those teeth in the ground, and you know, oh, skeletons were coming yes. up. And, 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 and uh, on recess in the playground, we would actually play Star Wars or Black Hole yeah, yeah. or Jason of the Argonauts, and we'd be running around instead of playing cops and robbers, yeah, cowboys and Indians. We were playing Jason of the Argonauts. That's exactly right, Andy. Yep. How, yeah. the, the Brits do this thing like we do this thing. Weird. They're almost like regular well, people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did with my imaginary friends. <laughs> See, I always I just I always assumed the Brits were pretending tea and crumpets and uh, high society uh, Jane Austen and uh... no, we're, we're just just as peculiar but in in a different peculiar way. Right. That's awesome. And um, to this day, I watch a movie and I think, damn, I I gotta I gotta provide this. For a group of guys at a table in D and D, man, I really exactly. want to give them this Star Wars experience. I want to give them this. Yeah, but it's, it's not passive; it's active, and they get to be these heroes doing this thing instead of watching it happen. And it, you know, and then being disappointed that the writers messed it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And uh, the neat part was always, uh, at least for me, because I was I was a little spoiled in the regard that uh, my mother was a district manager for a chain of video rental stores. So oh. I always had access to uh, some obscure things that maybe people hadn't wasn't in the mainstream, so people hadn't had their hands on. Right. And, uh, so yeah. people always said, "Oh, Mike, what a what an original, creative! I, I can't believe you came up with this and that." And yes, yeah, so, yeah, don't ever watch this movie; it's horrible. <laughs> so I will give away my secrets. <laughs> yeah, you're like the just, Quentin just Tarantino. Just found a really old Italian yes. film <laughs> without the weird foot problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I I used to love those. Um, they they do like um, really funny sort of spin-offs of um, things like you know the Warriors classic film. Oh, oh yeah, um, they they do stuff. What is it mm -hmm. oh, called? Bronx Warriors. Yeah. Uh, yep. 
and it was like really nothing to do with it, but they try and make a cover that looked like it would, so people would rent it. Because right. it was like, well, I like the Warriors, and what's this? And then it was right, really badly dubbed. Right. But, <laughs> but equally charming, but... Right. Yeah. It was so some bizarre true. stuff. It's so yeah. true. You know, Conan's big, and then the spinoff of bad barbarian movies, right? Yes. Man. Well, you see, in the 80s, and, and maybe even some of the early 90s, had uh, this thing that you just don't see anymore, as far as that kind of genre, where there was a... A tonality or modality of specific factions that our protagonist or protagonists are going to go up against. Yep. And as they go through the story, it would always, the whole world would shape differently as you mm -hmm. went into this mm -hmm. gang's area. And then mm -hmm. they're all dressed the same, or you know, the, even to the point of mm -hmm. ridiculousness, these guys are all wearing baseball uniforms. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I would love to get into a, a tabletop uh, of some sort that, that captures that. I love the way the, yeah. I love the way that gang run out all in one line in the Warriors with the yeah. baseball stuff. Oh, Amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool stuff. Warriors. Yeah, and you know, we don't, and you know, I think that's because Everything, you know, you think about like American culture, you know, American culture, when we when we got television, it was it was cops and it was Westerns mm. and, and a little bit about war stuff. Right. And then yeah. in the 50s, we were we were very, very successful. The average uh, in household income, our prosperity was at its absolute peak. Everybody was supposed to wear their hair a certain way, go to work a certain way, the, the wife and kids at home, leave it to Beaver. And then the 60s came and people said, hell no, I'm not going to be my dad, you know. And then the movies started to change. The culture started to change. And then the 70s, we get the hard-boiled TV and the hard-boiled things of American society like Dirty Harry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. These guys are going to yeah. – civil rights has let bad guys walk the streets. You know, oh, my God, the, the ACLU is allowing uh, 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 criminals to walk the streets. And so we have to oh, create yeah. Dirty Harry to, to, to actually have justice. Then the 80s come, right? And the 80s say, wait a second, let's just get the hell off the planet. Let's go post-apocalyptic warriors. Let's go, <laughs> oh, let's man. go, let's go Mad Max. Let's Escape go Star Wars. Let's go Conan. And that's kind of all of that follows this culture of who was who was dominating our television and our movie culture at the Absolutely. time. And of course, we don't make movies because that's what we want to make. We make movies because that's what sells to whoever the population is. So right now we're seeing a ton of superhero films because that's what the yeah. population seems to be buying right people will just dump money into a superhero film <laughs> yep and people I mean, run to see be. them so, I went and so saw right the, now the our movie Man going culture is 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 spending their money on those things right now but in the 70s yeah. the movie going culture was we got to wreck we got to justify what's happening in our society post 60s post 50s right right yeah you know and of course we were inflation and, and the economy was in the tank and you know there were we were opec was born and terrorism was 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 about it's kind of fascinating the thing is that spreads over every pop culture thing yeah so like what happens is like publishers they go right we're going to release um Call of Duty 855 because we, we know it's going to sell. Yep. But all our independents, they've been struggling um, because, I mean, okay, some, some of the platforms now, they have more independent access, like the Nintendo Switch and stuff like that. Yep. But generally, any publisher that's going to release a hard copy will play it safe. Yep. 
I go, I want another Assassin's Creed. I want another mm-hmm. this, that, and that. So it makes it harder six. then to... For, yeah, because... But then the market shrinks because there's only those titles available. Bingo. And the same thing happens with music. And the same thing, you know, it's like, I want the next um, Led Zeppelin. Right. But but there oh, isn't another Led Zeppelin. That's you right. Go, oh. That's right. Um, and, and it shifts and roundabouts with it. You don't but, think Kelly um, Clarkson's think... the next Led Zeppelin? <laughs> well, I, I did. We just lost some viewers. That's it. It's over. <laughs> she was the next. I... She was the next. Well, she was the American Idol, right? Oh, yeah, unfortunately, I did that's think true. That, and then I woke up. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the whole thing, and it's the same what Jason was saying with films. It's the same. that They'll, they'll release a, 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 an annual Marvel summer film because oh, it puts bums on seats. That's it. But, I mean, there are still things. It's like um, when Jason was looking at some, um, oh, I forgot what game it was, but I recommended to him to go and watch a film called The Witch. Yeah, right. I've got it. I just haven't watched it yet. Oh, man. It's right over here on my desk. (laughs) It's absolutely one of my favorite horrors of the past couple of years. Easy. It's supposed to be really good. Yeah. It is, man. But it takes effort because it's not, a standard horror right really the 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 actual people that are there it's just a family and they're from um a, it sounds like yorkshire accent to me mm-hmm. so it's very thick and it's very of the time mm-hmm. so even i have to like concentrate so i would imagine anyone else that isn't used to that dialect mm-hmm. it's really hard but it's just amazing yeah, I always watch – I watch everything now with subtitles no matter what because, number mm. one, I'm hard of hearing, which is why I yell all the time. And, and number two, because I don't want to miss all the subtle things that sometimes yeah. you miss even if you hear well. So I'll watch it with subtitles no matter what. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and the it, wife it, do that as well. So there are things. It's just – it's not like – I think one of the earlier podcasts we were saying about when you used to go into stores and buy things physically – Mm-hmm. Um, and their worth. When I used to buy a lot of albums, I had like dis- my first job, disposable income, and I'd go in and I'd buy albums because I like the cover artwork. Uh. And I'd get it home and I'd think, God, that's a pile of shit. <laughs> <laughs> or yep. it could have been the best thing I ever heard. Right. But you didn't have the internet to tell you. Right. Yeah. So right. you kind of experimented. You know what's I so think. You know what's missing? This is what's amazing. Well, I won't say it's missing. It's not fair. Uh, you and I, Andy, grew up in an era where we ha- we had the mystery of the adventure of because there wasn't your culture was your neighborhood, yep. yeah, right. Yep. And yep. there was no way to go online and find out that there's this counterculture hip hop music. So you would walk into it like we had Sound Warehouse, which was a, and you'd walk in and say, you know, I really dig this this uh, hip hop uh, cassette, and guys would say our hip hop section's over there, and you'd go over there and I'd bruise, I'd browse for something that look the most obscure and crazy because I didn't want just that traditional yeah. MC Hammer horse shit, right? I wanted I wanted counterculture, right. dark, raw hip-hop, right? And uh, uh, like skater music, like punk rock. To me, hip-hop mm. was I – I, I had a vast collection of all – same thing. All of my expendable income yeah. was on cassettes because I, I, I'd listen in a car. I'd listen on a, on a, on a, on a headset. So wow. I didn't buy actual albums. But same thing. I wouldn't use the artwork though. I would use some semblance of genre. Yeah. Okay. But the problem was so many things defy genre. And if you're not careful, 
and I agree with that. Genre, in a way, has was was uh, uh, um, the thing that kind of put us in a hole. But at the same time, we had to then experiment, and we had to do it by randomly gambling on stuff, right? Yeah. Oh, but yeah, right. and you would sometimes you would just be like, "Oh, okay, mm -hmm. this is utter crap." But you'd find mm -hmm. that one B side track that yep. became your summer anthem, yeah, yeah. and yeah, right. just take over. And, and yeah, then it goes I've on the so mixtape. That. That's how I found. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, where you would have uh, either you'd be blessed, and you'd be the the lucky kid that had a dual deck cassette player yep. where you could record off of each other, or yep. you were the poor bastard that had yeah. to set the speaker over the teeny tiny little three slits that were your yep. microphone, and okay. then you'd have the worst mixtape created ever. Oh, it's so true. But you know, now I I, I just shopping for OSRs. You know, just looking yep. at all the games, I would have never known. And I was telling somebody, I've said this before, I'll say it for a long time. We are in the golden age of tabletop role-playing games because mm. anybody who, 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 has, who has the wherewithal to write something and to make the effort to get artists and to kickstart it and put it out there makes it available to me. So some guy in Britain can say, check out this OSR that I've created with this flavor and these tweaks, and yep. he, can, he can publish it in such a way that I go, Lamentations of the Flame Princess, and I buy that sucker, and I go, holy shit, this is amazing. Well... I wouldn't know that existed without the internet, you no. know, without the culture, without this community. Well, and that's the flip side, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And same thing with music. I found all kinds of music by just messing around on YouTube, and I'd click from one video to another until I found some obscure, like, gangster bluegrass. Holy shit, where did that come from? <laughs> but it's isn't it awesome incredible? It's, yeah. It's fucking incredible. I'm like, I, holy shit, thank I you, make YouTube. I a, a very, very <laughs> distinct point that if anybody on my yeah. Friends list. I'm sorry, not everyone on my Facebook friends list is a friend, really. But <laughs> anybody who posts things to my feed, and if it if it includes a music link, I'm going to at least give it a listen because right. I have found yeah. so many things. Like I, a friend of mine posted two weeks ago, yeah. a uh, an Afghani heavy metal band, and like the tag oh, yeah, on the yeah. bottom is you'd have, you'd have no idea how hard it is to rock on guitar riding a camel. And I was like, oh, I gotta listen to that. I've gotta listen, and it was in. Same. And that's what's interesting because, again, I grew up in a, in the, you know, the seventies, eighties, and I sure. lived in a little cul-de-sac in a little suburb in in uh, uh, outside the large city. But it was a military society, so I was a, I was actually guys would come from all over the world. You know, guys would move into our neighborhood and they'd been stationed in Germany and they'd show us this amazing German, you know, metal band or something. So we were yeah. also I, I had some of that luxury of kids moving in and out of my neighborhood. Yeah, being a military right. society, I got a little taste of the world. My best friend was black, so I was. I grew up with all the soul music and rhythm of blues music, and went to a Southern Baptist church with his family. A couple only white kid in the whole church. Nice. But then my parents were, you know, bluegrass. My brothers were rock, rock and roll, and so I grew up with this very diverse culture. But at the same time, we're still limited to what's available to us that we can actually physically look at and go get. Mm -hmm. The internet has made us all, in a way. I mean, who would have thought that I would, I being an Anglophile, that I would actually talk to Brits on a daily basis, that I would actually share with British. Mm -hmm citizens on a daily basis and that to me is a wonderful thing you know as opposed to living in this vacuum of the books and the movies yeah, yeah. Right. i mean this, this this is the whole reason why i'm here now is because i was just looking and found jason mm -hmm. right um and just hassled him and eventually <laughs> eventually he took me in like a stray puppy yeah <laughs> Um, <laughs> he did it to all of us, man. That's how I got here too. Yeah, and, and now I'm at my, and now we play bizarre online miniature games weekly. That's yeah, awesome, we, and we, that is awesome. We've started yeah. what we're calling the 4,700 mile challenge. 
because I, I Google wow. mapped it, and from my front door to his, it's it's just over 4,700 miles. So awesome. weekly, we are sitting down and trying a tabletop war game, and so far the score is one to one. Uh, oh, that's awesome! I toppled him a little, uh, sort of. I eked out a victory in a, a game of Warhammer 40,000, which is uh, yeah. posted to Tef's Tavern. And uh, just yesterday, we played in a game of a new tabletop war game, well, newer, new to us, called uh, Star Wars Legion. And oh Ooh. boy, it's boy, it's you know, Rebels I've seen versus those. Alliance, dude. And it's that oh looks boy. so awesome, but damn, it's yeah. expensive again. It's so for, expensive. We're playing for ten bucks a piece. Yeah, <laughs> right. Tabletop simulator, I'm with, man. It's the only way. You know, I've, been looking, I've been looking at all the war game books on Amazon because I thought, yeah. you know, there's some amazing. There's like Dracula. Yep. Uh, where it's yep. a Civil oh, War yeah. war game where Dracula, where Lincoln yeah. is Dracula's America. Oh yeah, it's so amazing. There's so crazy many stuff. Crazy well, again, um, Osprey books for reference yes. are great yes. because um, they do all the military stuff anyway yep. for from yep. antiquity or. Um, and obviously now they do their own games. Yep. Um, and some of their little games are like about £10 each for the book. Yeah, it's unbelievable. <sighs> Golden age of, RPG, so, of tabletop. Yeah. Well, I, I said to Jason as well, like if even if you buy them mm-hmm. and use that influence for your game, yep. your RPG game, because yep. Dracula's America's got tons of shit in it. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, and that kind of stuff, it, it's just a weird way of doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um that people, I think, now that they've got this access to all this stuff, mm-hmm. should just go, oh, I'm going to grab that because even if I don't play that, I'm going to use that piece of artwork because I know what I can do with that. Right. Yep, and right. It's, I, it's just been sort of stimulated by stuff, hasn't it? Yeah, I own like uh, five years ago, probably 10 years ago, I bought three, uh, four Osprey books because I had found nice. uh, a British strategy PC game making company called Slytherin, and they made these yes. historic war games. Yeah. <laughs> and they made a Caesar, and they made Alexander's, and they they were war games. And so I said, well, I don't know shit about the tactics of Alexander and the cavalry. I don't know anything about Caesar and the tactics. So I bought. I went. I went to my local game store where I lived at the time, or not game store, hobby shop, and bought all these Osprey books on Alexander and his 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 wars and his tactics and Caesar. And then I could study those books so I could try to beat the damn computer in those Slytherin war games. Um, that is so funny. Uh, Slytherin yeah. war game. I just pulled them up. I had no idea, but they're actually the developer of Warhammer 40,000 Gladius Relics of War that oh, I'm doing. A le- wow. I've started a Let's yeah. Play on on this channel. Wow. So if you go to there, there's a game company called Matrix Games, and they make they make a ton of strategy war games from from. I mean, they make even niche games like just the, the Tigris war between uh, Iran and Iraq in the 70s or 50s, yeah. whatever time that was. I 60s. see that. Wow, yeah. And so Matrix Games has all these great tactical war games. Um, and so I found these Caesar games by Slytherin there. They're, they're distributors, by the way. They don't make them. They distribute those they're games. They're distribution. That's where, okay. Yeah, that's where I found Alexander's Wars and I found Caesar's Wars. And those Osprey books were unbelievable history. They're just history. They're basically history. But they break it yeah. into war tactics, too. Yeah. So you can apply them to your tabletop war game if you're going to play a, a Alexander war game against your buddy Joe, and uh, sure. those tactics should matter, especially if you're following war game rules, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You have to be extraordinarily yeah. tactical. I mean, and, they, they they cover weapons used as well. Yeah. They, oh, 
and it's and the color insane. of the tartans. I mean, what what these guys, the color of their helmets and tartans. I and, love yeah, that. You know, oh, so I'm such a... I mean, if you're painting minis. Right. Man, it's amazing. it's amazing. I'm such a fluff guy too. So like the idea that you're 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 having fun, you're playing this to- tabletop game, you're following their rules, you're rolling their dice. I dig that. That's cool. Yep. But when you're doing that and following the the historically, uh-huh. or even if it's fi- sci-fi <laughs> fictional, you're yep. following the the preordained fluff in the and somehow ties in with the rules in uh-huh. any way. Oh, I'm yeah. all over that. I'll that's quit my it. job. Well, that's what I mean. I'm telling you, that's that's like I haven't played BattleTech or MechWarrior since oh, FASA in the yes. '80s. You know, and so I've been looking at the BattleTech starter sets, like twenty bucks, but unfortunately, it's only like a handful of figurines. But yeah. that ties into a role playing aspect too. And and you know, when we were kids, we played tabletop sports strategy games. We were the coach storming the sidelines, barking orders, yes. and, and sending in yes. plays, and we were role playing in tabletop sports games. I mean, it's like wow, can you imagine? Yeah, can you imagine if you can start tying simple role-playing elements into your Battletech war game yeah. adventures? It's amazing. Yeah, and I've never war gamed other than PC, so this sure. is a whole new thing for me. I'll, I'll probably start looking into. And the books, you're right, Andy's right. These books are affordable, you, and you can pick whatever genre or topic you're really interested in. Yeah, they have niched it for us, so we can go grab goblin skirmish. Like- we can go grab goblin skirmish for eleven bucks. Have a couple yeah. of six-sided dice, build a goblin army, and Joe builds a goblin army. We start rolling dice on a with a ruler and some minis, right? Dude, yeah, I'm all over it. Yeah. I want to do that now. <laughs> well, this, um, oh, what's the? Uh, this is a really good steampunk one as well. Oh, there's so many, Andy. You're right. You're that's right. that's my unicorn is is steampunk. I've wanted to get in on a good steampunk game since I started rolling dice. I love steampunk. Right. But I well, have I so at... little background in it that yeah, I, yeah. I don't quite know if I could do it as a GM. For instance, I would love to steampunk something, but I yeah. just know that I, I'll, I'll mess it up because I, I don't know enough well, about it. Right. It, it's basically, it's like, it's just, um, one, don't stick a fucking cog on everything. Because <laughs> that's just lazy. Right? It, right. It, it's just, you know, I mean... <sighs> Victorian period London is oh, every, love it. Like, my favorite time. Is, yeah, you know, but why don't you have that period in like America? Why don't you pick where like you two live and base it there? Yeah, um, the same principles well, apply. For us, it's at that time, that, you know, it's post Civil War. So really, steampunk is is H.G. Wellian post Civil yep. War alternative history. Bicycle yeah. with uh, a big front wheel, right? Yeah, but but yep. with steam powered shit that's yes. that's instead of yeah. science, it's pseudoscience, which is what makes steampunk so cool, right? Oh, well, the no. thing is then is um, that you you would have then that steam is the thing, electric just electricity just doesn't happen. That's it. So yeah. you know those um, piano things that had the rolls with the notes yes, the, on uh, them, they played they automatically. That? Yes, dang it. Yes. I can't think of the name either. Play, yeah. Player piano? Right. Uh, kind of like that, yeah. So basically then you would turn that into a computer. Yeah. That rolling yep. and recognizing the notes would be information, like yep. Braille almost. Yeah, it is. Exactly, yeah. So yeah, I, I, Steampunk fascinates me, and I would love to get – and I know there are books available and there's some things available. but Oh, I'm sure. Uh, to, read, to read a novel of, for instance – 
I just bought uh, for Coin and Blood, which you play the badass. You played the evil sons of bitches in an OSR instead of the good guys, right? I need to get that one. That looks awesome. And like, you know, it's fantastic. The classes are great. The tweaks are great. But I don't know shit about Grim Dark as far as how do I provide a challenge for guys that are just evil, right? Yeah. So I bought Black Company, thinking this might tell me something. Well, I got to read a three hundred page novel that may or may not give me enough good information that I could successfully come up with some good grimdark gaming, right? Because, you know, I do take my job seriously as a GM, someone who wants to provide that genre right for my players. And the yeah. average player may come to my game and say, I don't know what grimdark is. They don't care, but I care, right? Yeah. Well, so, in my experience, too, the, the more care as a, a, a game runner you throw into it, that comes through even if yeah. the player yeah. even if you have it the does. one player who doesn't give a damn about tonality or mode right. it's going to mm -hmm. bleed through in one way or another yeah and all of the guys that played warhammer rpg back in the day and all the guys that are playing Z uh, oh. uh what's it called the uh, z w e i zweihander zweihander yes Zweihander. which i own i own that pdf Really? The new Warhammer tabletop game comes out or is uh, comes out this month, doesn't it? Next month. Well, Gen Con's next week. So. Fantasy, yeah. Warhammer Fantasy, I believe. Is yes, it? Warhammer Fantasy. And those guys uh, who grew up playing that, they know what Grimdark is. And yes. they're, they, they, they're exposed to it. They've been reading Warhammer. They've been playing these Warhammer-type Grimdark uh, role-playing games. Mm -hmm. Those guys would know exactly how to turn that OSR into Grimdark. Yeah. I, on the other hand, don't have the experience. So Isn't it um, at Crucible 7? Yes, it is. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. Uh, okay. yeah. 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 The same guys that do yeah. Lone Wolf and uh, the One yeah. Ring and Keltia, which I own. And yeah. And I love those games. Cubicle 7, Doctor Who. They do Doctor Who. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I enjoyed that game. I, my good buddy Carl ran a couple of, of games mm -hmm. of that. Man, the, the gradation of success available uh, allowed in that game just really kind of yep. tickled me. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, well, I love Cubicle Seven, and they're—I believe they're a yeah. British company. I believe they're yeah. a British owned. I mean, I got the um, uh, Adventures in Middle Earth book for five e. Yes, and, and those are awesome. Nothing else. It's just gorgeous. Oh, the art, the artist, and the artwork in those are fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just amazing stuff. Yeah. Ah. Have I overstayed my welcome? We're beyond no, thirty minutes, uh, I think. We have oh, just hit our 30-minute mark. So, yeah, we're going to go ahead and do a little bit of sign-off. And, Jason, we didn't get to talking about anything I invited you for, so we're going to have to bring you back sometime. <laughs> okay, you got it. But let you know, uh, uh, this is really for Andy because I haven't had a chance to chat with Andy. Uh, I am uh, I am finishing up the module with your maps and your art cover, and then I will submit cool. all that sometime in mid-August to Chris Gonerman for Iron Falcon. I have decided I'm going to leave it with Iron Falcon. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so anyway, everybody out there um, can look forward to maybe uh, hearing a little bit about that. Uh, well, hopefully it'll be something that Gonerman can publish. But uh, yeah. I want to thank Andy for making those maps. They're fantastic. And I'm just now tying those maps back into my module. I have to edit my module it, a little bit. And, it's been my uh, pleasure because yep, like, well, my main it. goal with it really was to enable you to do something. Yeah, the um, module was written. I just had no maps for it. So uh, yeah. you providing the maps. The one thing I don't do is art. So, uh, it, it, yeah. But it did by Andy offering to do it, uh, lit a fire that I could actually get it published, or at least submit it for the public. Even if it's not published, published, we could certainly make it available via free uh, access to the public. So, um, And we still need to sort out the Halloween shit because <laughs> that, that needs to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. 
Um, we'll have to make that work for sure. Well, li- literally, there's blood in the, the map. My blood in it. Oh, no. <laughs> the, the first map that the players get, when Jason actually... When I, when I, no, sorry. When I get my ass in gear and finish putting it in order um, and give it to Jason, the first thing that the players will get is a map that actually has my blood in it. <laughs> so nice. for Halloween, I, I don't know how you're going to do it, whether you're going to do it locally or whatever, but I certainly hope we can get that because I think yeah. well, I'd like to put together, I'd like to put together three or four guys for a Halloween session live on YouTube. Uh, now, yeah. what OSR I use, I don't know. Uh, it doesn't matter, does it? Fantasy or whatever, but we're going to just do North Rock Abbey Dungeon. We're not. I'm not even yeah. worried if it's tied to Esbalon or not. It's no, it's just the it, North Rock Abbey horror dungeon. Basically. It's be fun. Yeah, be awesome. It, 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 it's got the potential to go like three different dungeons in one setting. Yep. Um, if you got the stamina. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's and, one of those. You want to start at like two in the afternoon. And do a like yep. a marathon and go all the way up to midnight or something. Halloween, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, that would be awesome. I mean, yeah. So awesome. it's fine finding the sort of people that can commit to it because it, it it is the way I envisage it. I think Jason does as well. Is that's how it's to be played. It's a one shot. Yep. Dungeon crawl of terror. Yep. Um, and oh, and that's all it is. Um, you know, yeah. complete in itself. Yep. But then we have to do the other module that you want to do after that oh yeah i my goal would be to put together three modules for like a little mini campaign uh for iron falcon or, or something and uh right now i've got the first one yep. uh i've got tons of stuff material that i've prepped but i've never written a formal module uh believe it or not i wrote this module for for sean locally mike and david i actually sat down and made a formula a formal module for those guys i didn't have to they wouldn't have known anything Right. Everything else I do when I prep, it's notebook paper, index cards, scribbled down notes. Stick yeah. uh, and so that's been sitting literally on a file for nine years. And then um, I realized, you know what? If I could get maps, I would go ahead and try to write, uh, get this, tighten it up and publish it. And Andy said, I'll, I'll make maps. And so the very first thing that we'll, I'll attempt to publish will be uh, the first thing I ever wrote formally when I came back to gaming with Labyrinth Lord, uh, thanks to Sean, David, and Mike. And so it's full circle, man. The guys that... The guys that asked me, would you do this for us? It's all going to come full circle. And it's cool that it ties nine years later to Andy, who I met uh, on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, so it's, it's just full circle. It's amazing. It's this, uh, it's cool. this thing. And then from there, I'll worry real. about it. But North Rock Abbey, that would be a one-off crazy dungeon for Halloween. All right, guys, I'll let you go. Thanks, okay. Mike. Thanks, Andy, for having me on. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, man. All right. We'll talk Bye, to you guys. Later. Bye-bye. Bye. And, of course, guys, you can uh, – thanks for listening. You can find us at uh, tefstavern.wordpress.com. If you want to see us on the YouTubes, you'll also find us at youtube.com slash c slash tefstavern. Both those links will be found below. I'll also be linking us off to uh, Jason's YouTube page, which, uh, a proper YouTube page, where you'll actually find some good videos, unlike mine. And <laughs> if you yeah, like He's, he's quite good. <laughs> if you have any questions, comments, or you want to hurl uh, digital bananas at us, uh, you can do so at tefstavern at gmail.com. So with that, uh, we'll see you next week. Andy, thanks for joining yep. us. Take care, Mike. And have a good week. <laughs>